Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation. I am TJ Jackson, and with me I have my eldest brother, Todd Jackson. Todd, what is going on, Taj? We are live on the Power of Love show. So if you are watching us either via Facebook or Twitter, we want to thank you for joining us. You can also be listening to us on our podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those major streaming uh, podcast platforms. We are there. We want to thank you guys for supporting our show. And remember to like, subscribe, do all that good stuff so we can help more and more people uh, get help and the support they need. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that, we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it, and we've learned from it. And we here at DDJF Power of Love Show, we like to share our opinion in an attempt to help you overcome Whatever it is you are going through, saying that if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and find it. Do not just rely on us. There is our intro, Todd Jackson. Today's date is February 17. It's a beautiful day here in California, or at least Southern California. But it seems like the majority of the states is getting pounded by an unprecedented winter storm. Um, And I guess I don't really have any clout to talk about it since I'm a California boy and I'm here in the sun. But we want to share. I should say this. We want to to give support to everyone out there who may be struggling because of this storm. Um, Many different cities have friends in many different places that are saying they are without power. And that is always a scary, dangerous, all those important things. So we want to send our prayers and love to you all. Um, How, you know, and here's the thing, Taj, we have a, and I, you know, we never usually talk about our guests, but we have a guest uh, today and I'm not going to give his name yet, um, but I think he, he may even have something to add because his specialization is on elderly. And I think when things like this happen, you know, the, the lack of utility and power can really affect them even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, though, Taj, again, we don't want to get too far into our topic just yet. I'm curious to know, how was your week? Um, I was just, I had to kind of cheat and, and realize every, every day is kind of lumped in together for me. But um, Valentine's Day was good. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny. I, I don't, I like Valentine's Day, but I don't like really celebrating online as much just because for so long I was one of those people that didn't have a Valentine's. And so I know what that's like, (laughs) you know, I'm like one of those people that kind of think of the other person that doesn't have a Valentine's and, and has to see all the rub rubbing in that other people do, you know? And and, and so it's one of those things that, so I don't really um, post online about it as much. I understand. That's a very valid argument. it's, It's, it's like, but besides that, it was a good Valentine's Day. Well, your younger brother kind of did the opposite. And for the first time, I shared a little family vlog of my Valentine's Day. Mm. And I, as much as I agree and understand your reasoning, I look at it this way. I have kids 
and they may one day want to see what we were like for Valentine's Day when their parents were in love and all that a good little stuff. capture moment. So that's what I do on my family channel. Nice. I like to capture it for, for my kids and, of course, for everyone who's following, subscribing to see our family. So, yeah. um, But as far as the day, it was you know, a great day. It, I mean, I, I saw some people say things that are very uh, – makes sense you know they try to celebrate every day as valentine's day they they don't like to make one day specific because then what's all the other days so um regardless though I, I we had a great valentine's day we celebrated celebrated it a couple days early we have young kids that had school monday so celebrating on sunday um didn't feel right so we celebrated it friday and um it was it was it was a good time yeah that's cool yeah um, anything else you want to say, Taj, before we jump into our, our guests and our topic today? Not right now, no. All right. So today's episode of The Power of Love Show marks part two of our mental health series, and we are honored to welcome an esteemed professional on today's episode, Dr. Vadim Baram. Vadim Baram uh, is assistant clinical professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the St. Louis University School of Medicine and instructor in clinical psychiatry, Department of Psychiatry, Washington University School of Medicine. Dr. Baram is an adult and geriatric psychiatrist in private practice. He is the attending physician at SSM St. Mary's Hospital. Mm -hmm. Dr. Baram received his medical degree at Tartu University in Estonia. He completed his in internship at Women's Hospital Number no. 2 in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, Dr. Baram performed his residency training with the Department of Psychiatry at St. Louis University. He also completed his geriatric psychiatry fellowship program at St. Louis University. Very, very credited. And I'm not even done yet. Dr. Varam has had extensive training during his res residency and fellowship at St. Louis University towards long-term care. He is currently providing care in several nursing homes in the city of St. Louis and the surrounding vicinities. He is a member of the American Psychiatric Association and the American Association for Ger Geriatric Psychiatry. He is a distinguished fellow for APA. Dr. Baram recently received an award from SSM Health St. Mary's Hospital Mission in Motion 2020. And that, without much further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Power of Love, let's please welcome Dr. Vadim Baram to the Power of Love show. Dr. Baram, how are you? Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. And it is a pleasure to be a member of your distinguished society and I will be happy to share my some opinions on different subjects what community yeah. interested. Well, first of all, you are incredibly acclaimed. You have done a lot. And we, uh, when I say we, our show, we've never had someone like you. And I, whenever we have someone unique and, and special, I, I love it because I, it's an opportunity for myself to learn and, and for our community to learn. Um, my first question, first of all, congratulations on the award as well. Um, my first question is what inspired you to go into the field of mental health? You know, this is a wonderful question. Uh, usually, uh, this is kind of introductory question in any conversation, 
Uh, and I can tell you, I always was thinking why I really decided to become a psychiatrist. When we going to medical school, we all want to be a doctors, surgeons, whatever, different other things. But uh, probably from the middle of my medical school, I started to express um, interest in, in the mental health. I probably was not able at that time to clearly formulate what I really want, though I realized after my course in uh, psychiatry that this is uh, what I really like and enjoy. I was fascinating by the way how people thinking, by the process of thinking, why people come to certain conclusions and how people come to these certain conclusions. I also was wondering about emotions, what people experience, why people getting happy or angry or sad or frustrated and how to control this, how to help with that part if people have struggled with these things. Um, during my time of medical school, uh, people were not very clear about certain, some subjects what are very established right now. There were not that many medications available. Mostly it was uh, available basically therapy, psychotherapy, what we called. Uh, however, I always was thinking that maybe if I go to advanced training in psychiatry and subsequently dedicate myself to the career of psychiatry, uh, I may have some contribution to the field uh, of uh, medicine, to the field of psychiatry, where I think I can be fairly uh, professional. And this is what I'm doing in the past 21 years here um, in the United States. It's great. It's great. Uh, and, and I'm curious to know what inspired you to, to focus on the geriatric population? And, and before you answer that, I, I want to make sure because it's kind of a tough word. Geriatric, is that just meaning the elderly? Uh, you are right. Um, to be more clear, uh, American Associ Association of Geriatric Psychiatry decided that geriatric, it is 65 plus. Okay. Uh, basically, anybody 65 and below considering to be adults, just for classification purposes. You know, uh, nowadays, people uh, get, live longer overall. And uh, if before mean age uh, in the United States was 65, then now mean age is 85. Mm. And we actually growing up in that uh, area and it is not a secret to see patient who is 99 years old and um, 100 years old and uh, it was just um, curious um, uh, I think uh, very funny incident uh, there a few weeks ago uh, when I came to the hospital doing around with my team and uh, sometimes when people coming to the emergency room uh, uh, brought by um, police, for example, uh, unidentified, they put just number 100. Mm. And uh, I ask, uh, so how old, how old really patient? And uh, they told me 100. 
I, and I thought that they joking. So I entered the room and it was very, very nice. A hundred year old uh, grandfather who was fairly clear in his mind, actually. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, frequent uh, these, frequently these days and we see really very uh, old people. Um, and uh, I, I really wanted to help this group of population because uh, as we know, a rate of Alzheimer's disease and rate of different other dementias growing up. Why? Because um, uh, baby boomers uh, getting older mm -hmm. and it's a lot of uh, people these days who reach uh, above 65 years old uh, and unfortunately memory problems becoming more and more pronounced in uh, this group of population. Mm. Uh, there, there is not that many um, medications available to to deal with these problems. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, I decided to go to the field of geriatric psychiatry inspired by my teacher, who uh, was actually uh, here at St. Louis. He was uh, at that time a president of uh, International Psychogeriatric Association, Professor Grossberg, and uh, he, uh, he really uh, taught me a lot uh, and I learned a lot of options how we can assist uh, our, our growing community and elderly people. And uh, this became a very serious part of my future career. Um, while um, growing here at St. Louis, and getting more knowledgeable and uh, increasing my practice and expanding my practice, uh, I decided that I would not focus only on um, adult population, but also on uh, people who requires more and more attention and at the same time, very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the idea. Okay, so I have, from that response, I have several questions. And I have a list of questions that, but one question I definitely have is, and this is kind of a selfish question, but I apologize. But I think a lot of people may relate to this. Uh, Alzheimer's runs in our family. And for anyone who who maybe has dementia or, or any type of other type of Alzheimer type of um, disease that runs in their family, what would you advise us who are in our middle age? Is there anything we should be doing or can be doing as a 40-year-old, 45-year-old, or 50-year-old? Or who don't We don't think we're experiencing anything, but just to be on the, the proactive side. Is there anything we should be doing if we know it runs in our family? Uh, excellent question. Um, excellent question. You know, uh, you may um, treat this concern from different prospects. You can be more aggressive and less aggressive. Knowing that disease running in the family, there are genetic testing available at this time. And uh, if um, disease connected to to genes, to dominant chromosomes, I think 
that you you have chance to check through genetic testing and let's say uh, get estimation that probability of the disease after a certain age will be 80%, for example. If you ask my personal opinion, mm -hmm. at this point, I would not do that. However, awareness is very important. You train your memory. Observation shows that the more you train your memory, the more you avoid some negative impact on your memory, like, for example, alcohol mm. or drugs, you know, some substances, what you don't want to obscure your memory, uh, you have chance to uh, postpone the mm. development mm. of the disease for quite a long period of time. Uh, we at this point, we cannot prevent the disease, mm -hmm. but we can delay the disease. At the same time, living in 21st century, there is uh, expectation that new group of medications will be on the market shortly. I hear few medications just about to join the market. Uh, so if you in your 40s, I want to say you have another good 30 years not to think about it. By that time, it could be uh, actually genetic surgery where wow. determinants of um, potential of Alzheimer's disease may be excised from the genotype. Wow. And, uh, I I honestly would not um, uh, scare yourself and your uh, loved ones. <laughs> honestly, that this is going to happen. You know, uh, you kind of uh, reminded me just recently, I was dealing with a um, family who is suffering from Huntington disease. I don't know, did you hear that or not? But it's very detrimental disease when people kind of shaking or mm time and then basically cannot control their functions and they uh, getting ill very early mm -hmm. and of course uh, the probability of that type of disease like 90% penetrance in uh, in the generations so question is if you know about it how this will impact your life if you feel all right you know I think that I advise people to honestly enjoy the moment but uh, but also going back to dementia and Alzheimer's disease by itself, I think that uh, knowing is very important. Mm. Make some efforts again to train your memory. What you're doing very successfully is a, uh, also a very important part. But I don't think that um, I personally would not go. Do that doc when you say train your memory is there like a specific thing is there something we should do well you are reading you listening uh, news you participated actively in the news you uh, doing active uh, mental activities you know you know okay. 
passively participating into some uh, actions and basically eating, sleeping, doing nothing else. Mm -hmm. So you live your life, you are very multifactorial, you spend time with your children, with your family, with your spouse, with your brother, brothers, with uh, all foundation. So these- Stay active. Yeah, stay active, yes. Beautiful, Um, okay, so, Here's a question I had that I, that was written out. You have worked extensively with the geriatric population. How is COVID affecting our elders? And what can we do to support the seniors in our own lives? Yes. Um, you know, uh, COVID unfortunately impacted all of us all spheres of life, uh, all ages, and uh, all people, regardless who they are, uh, in negative way. Mm-hmm. Especially elderly people who are so vulnerable to any type of diseases, and specifically with COVID. You no, know, it is not a secret that we lost a lot of elderly people during the peak of pandemic. Uh, At some point, I remember that me and uh, my team uh, attended nursing homes and we saw basically drop of the population of the nursing facilities drastically by 25% Mm. or more. People were dying right and left. Uh, regardless it was east or west coast, midwest, any anywhere in the country. Uh, subsequently, we, uh, we found ways how to deal with the consequences of COVID. It's not the problem by itself getting the COVID, the problem how we deal with the consequences of COVID. And probably everybody, you, our audience, uh, remember where people basically ended up in ICU where there were not enough uh, of um, machines in ICU and uh, people, a lot of people went on ventilators and it was very rare when people were taking off ventilators. Uh, These days uh, with uh, availability of few options uh, like uh, uh, immune uh, cleared antibodies and um, steroids uh, and some other different medications. Uh, We basically limited now uh, negative consequences. Uh, Here I I listen, I hear less and less um, severity of the disease. So people uh, able to tolerate the disease basically much easier, though, again, weakness, um, complications with the breathing, um, smell, uh, and multiple unknown complications uh, pass, still Mm -hmm. pass. In terms of elderly people, because they are usually suffering from multiple medical problems, like hypertension, diabetes, congestive heart failure, uh, kidney problems, etc. This uh, ha- has negative impact on the well-being of the, of the elderly people. Uh, at the same time, we learn now 
how to deal with disease. Availability of vaccine getting more and more eased up and elderly people were in the first line uh, of uh, population who need to receive vaccine, uh, which definitely reduced dramatically potential of the disease uh, for the future. But uh, right and left, we still hear that people getting ill, get, mm -hmm. getting pneumonia, and people getting temperature, etc., etc. Um, and this, but but at this point, we are welcome to the nursing facilities. We can we resume our face-to-face -face communication with the patients, uh, which was restricted for a period of time. And nursing homes basically were uh, isolated islands. Uh, there were no ent entrance and no exit from those places. Mm. Uh, negativity of a whole COVID situation that families are not allowed to visit uh, elderly people. And you know how important uh, contribution of the family members to the well-being of people. I see this over and over time that uh, these poor people who are residents of the nursing homes who are ending up in my acute uh, unit um, in the hospital, uh, they getting disoriented and depressed significantly just because they don't see their loved ones, they don't see their children, mm. significant others. And, uh, you know, um, isolation, social isolation and loneliness, this is a very important negative impact on the uh, mental health of our elderly population. I encouraged uh, families uh, of the elderly people who who are currently in the nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, any type of um, community facilities, please support your uh, loved ones. This is very important for them to live longer, to, to be with us a little bit more than they can be. So I, I strongly support that part. And again, we, my team, we're spending an enormous amount of hours and time to help those people. For some of them, we're becoming their families. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, we feel bonded and connected to our patients. Uh, even people with advanced dementias uh, still can recognize somebody who they feel comfortable or not. They may not remember your name. They may ask you, who are you multiple times, but mm -hmm. they feel comfortable with you. That's yeah. very important. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. And I was, you know, that was my next question. You kind of answered it was how does loneliness affect a person's well-being and overall health? And it's obvious loneliness isn't a healthy thing for everyone. But I, I have to assume, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Doc, that for the elderly, it's even harder for them because they mentally appreciate family and people more so as they get older. For I, I feel like that's what's happened to me. I've appreciated my family and being around people every year I get older. So for I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I'm in my 70s, how important people are going to be to me. And I can only imagine what COVID has done with the isolating of elderlies to our el to our elder people. So my question is you to you is 
have you seen like a, a spike in depression amongst elderly and, or, or even suicide? And again, is there anything we can do to help our elder not feel that loneliness during this time? Excellent question. You know, each of your questions are absolutely incredibly important. <laughs> and our audience, I hope, uh, may agree or disagree with me, but at least we will address this question. Because, uh, yes, loneliness is a significant problem. Uh, and question what to do about it. Yeah, we all need human touch. So absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you, that's true. And you know, I do have some patients uh, and we're doing uh, telepsychiatry more these days than before, uh, who basically uh, have me as the only person, live person who talking to her, who she communicate. And, and there's not only one patient like that. And I, I'm paying attention now more and more that because of COVID, because of limitations, uh, because of different illnesses, people um, limited in their ability to ambulate, to, to go anywhere, uh, to attend some places. Uh, and um, they have very limited amount of people who support them. I, uh, for example, if before I, I saw patients once every month, every two, three months, this type, this group of people, I'm uh, going to communicate like every week, for example, or every three, four days, depends whom I'm dealing with. Uh, you know, um, yeah, 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 <laughs> that's true. Uh, you know, uh, people, um, uh, people feel uh, so isolated that any uh, communication, any friendly communication, um, any introduction into some real world, uh, probably will uh, keep people up. Rate of suicide increased. Uh, mm. in the past year um, I, it did not impact me uh, directly though I hear uh, I hear that this happening uh, in more instances unfortunately uh, people have problems to deal with that uh, people cannot people are very social um, subjects basically mm -hmm. People cannot uh, live uh, just by themselves. People getting depressed. Yes, rate of depression exponentially went up. Depression, anxiety, uh, different other what I call affective problems more pronounced these days than uh, was a year and a half ago approximately. Uh, we are working. You know, uh, I, I never stay at work that late uh what i stay in the past year and uh, i have a group of very good professionals working with me very dedicated people and we just stay as long as people need us and uh, it is when when somebody asks me so how late you working we are telling we basically start around seven and unlimited unlimited mm -hmm. And our families uh, already kind of decided that it's okay. M my daughter to talking to me uh, on uh, uh, 
uh, FaceTime because I'm leaving when she is sleeping. I'm coming when she is sleeping, yeah. and only weekend when I I'm able basically occasionally to to see my children. Uh, so that's that's a problem. But but yes, uh, we we uh, on the side of our mental health professionals, we are trying our best to assist our elderly and not only elderly people to everybody. I, I have uh, another question. Um, I know one of the things that's the most challenging thing for, I think, our community, or, or at least what I can think of for me, um, for our age group, would be when to determine when nursing home or elder care or, or some type of external care is the right choice for our loved elder ones. Do you have any advice on when we should be going that route or when we shouldn't be going that route? You know, my my opinion, uh, it's only my opinion and it may not reflect uh, a general opinion of uh, professional societies. Uh, you know, uh, United States as it, it is like United country, a lot of immigrants here, either first, second, third, or whatever generation, uh, we came from different inheritance and uh, different people have different opinions how they want to deal with their elderly people. Uh, personally, I would keep my, uh, my parents' um, uh, home as long as they can. Uh, let, let me tell you that. Uh, I think that they pay their dues at some point of my life, and uh, now it's That's time. Beautiful. You know, uh, but but I see you know different points of view, and I see people, you know, go at some certain age to the nursing home. What I usually advise uh, my uh, patients or families, uh, I think. Uh, time to go to the nursing home, assuming that the uh, that people have enough support. Time to go to the nursing home when family, significant others, uh, spouses, children telling, I cannot do more than I can. Mm -hmm. I just physically cannot do this at home. And you know, sometimes I have to tell this statement to the families. Uh, despite the fact that uh, I am pro-home uh, observation, but sometimes it is just impossible because uh, dementia changing uh, mind of people, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, gray matter or this substance, what we are thinking, it's shrinking and there is no enough substrate to process uh, information um, uh, properly. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's just impossible. Uh, but I, uh, I think that uh, in all equal, um, yeah, if you have op option, uh, yeah, they need to stay home as much as possible. You know, again, people are different. Uh, options uh, are multiple, but we all have our mind. Um, so it's a personal decision, but I think uh, I, I, when I'm dealing with my elderly people, I'm dealing with them like as in my family members. 
I actually, uh, I, I'm I basically uh, getting through this illness together with them. Mm. Um, I, I understand them very well, and I understand sometimes, not sometimes, always, is families who desperate talking to a doctor to ask what's going on with with mom or dad or somebody significant others, because it is. Uh, it is very uh, difficult to deal with uh, with the disease. People are not informed about the disease, and you know uh, the the way. Unfortunately, how disease progressing, and I'm not talking about only Alzheimer's dementia because it's common uh, way of thinking of people that uh, when dementia it is Alzheimer's disease. I will tell you uh, and to all audience that dementia has very wide umbrella. It may be multiple modifications. People may hear about uh, vascular dementia. It means when people suffer stroke uh, or several strokes, and unfortunately in younger age, they may have significant memory problems getting demanded. People may suffer from so-called Lewy body disease lately. It's becoming more and more often. And uh, Again, multiple different uh, sub uh, scales of different dementias, but regardless, uh, if uh, people suffering from from dementia, then uh, their ability to process information impaired, and it takes about three years until families uh, bring their loved ones to the attention of doctors because yeah. uh, if you look to the uh, big book of uh, geriatric psychiatry, you will see the pattern that uh, if uh, people ending up in the doctor office, in the psychiatrist or geriatric psychiatrist office, it's about three years from the beginning of the disease because mm -hmm. it's coming insidiously. It's coming kind of uh, without warning. Mm -hmm. People will not come and tell, hey, I have dementia. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes... Yeah family started to pay attention, you know, uh, you misplace some, something, and it's okay to misplace glasses or whatever, uh, or some actions, or you lost something. And some warning or non-warning signs, people may not pay attention up until certain point that accumulation of issues coming to the point when you need to talk to professional and I encourage, don't don't be afraid to go to see psychiatrists. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We're not biting. <laughs> normal people. Uh, we are listening what people are saying, and we are trying to help. Uh, the earlier we see the problem, the earlier we can interfere. You know, if, uh, even with the currently available limited medications, we can delay worsening of the disease. We cannot cure the disease, but we can delay. There are again few medications available which may postpone the problem. Not a lot, but by six months approximately, which is also yeah. important. I, 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 I thank you for saying that, you know, because I think that that does need to be clarified. You, you can't necessarily cure the disease, but you can delay it. That's, that's, that's mm -hmm. important to know. Is there anything else you think we as a society, as the, the, the mass population should know about elderly and the mind or elderly 
uh, and their mental health? Is there something that we aren't paying enough attention to or that you think uh, we may be not understanding properly? Elderly people, as everybody else, has the same emotions and the same abilities as uh, adults, mm. what I want to say. <laughs> Please respect your elderly. <laughs> Love them. Provide them with uh, help and support. Remember that at some point they were young mm -hmm. and assisted you in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, try to, uh, to be nice children for your parents, grandparents, and uh, your relatives. Uh, be their friends. Remember that they are smart and wise and uh, don't minimize that if they forget uh, something uh, from the current events that they remember everything from the past and you know people with dementia may not remember what they had on breakfast but they will tell you what happened 50 years ago yeah. listen their experience uh, remember that they may tell you some very valuable aspects, even though they uh, classify it as having dementia, mm -hmm. they still have very important points what they can uh, transpire from generation to generation. So value your elderly, respect them, and uh, don't give them up. Mm -hmm. That's my advice. I love I love that doc. I I really do um you know that's something we were raised on my brothers and I to to respect our elders and as I've gotten older I've learned that their knowledge is gold and that we should listen to our elders and and their experiences is one of the most powerful things we can lean on. Um so I I I have so many more questions, but I'm looking at the time. We're already past 40 minutes, and and I, I, I <laughs> no, it's okay. You gave us so much great information, yes. Taj. I, I I'm sure you had questions, but I'm sorry if I I took your questions too. But I do. I did say this to you uh, before we even started, Doc. That we like to close our shows, giving our guests up to a minute to talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, so I want to start that minute now and, and the floor is yours, my friend. I, I appreciate it to everybody, uh, to uh, Didi Jackson Foundation mm -hmm. for this opportunity to share my points of view uh, on the mental health um, in the United States and especially elderly population. I wish everybody to have a great health, to stay safe and healthy and uh, thank you to everybody who's staying with us today and who will listen uh, our show um, when it will be on recording but i want to tell everybody united we stand we will stand this pandemic i hope it will be over shortly uh, with the rate how vaccine is uh, going, I, I ex expect personally that by summer we will be, most of us will be uh, vaccinated. Don't be afraid of vaccine. I did both on myself. I am fine. My mother was asking me, uh, how are you? I said, I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> no problems. 
So uh, don't be afraid, and I hope we will go back to normal lives very shortly. Thank you, everybody, for your attention. Beautiful. Um, so I, I do want to say um, Dr. Badam has an Instagram, at Badam Psychiatry, and the website is www.badam, B-A-R-A-M, Psychiatry. So badampsychiatry.com. Um, and again, you were fantastic, and, and I truly appreciate you joining us. Um, again, I think you were our first doctor that – was here to discuss the elderly and, and mental health. So I just want to thank you for joining us today. I learned a lot. I know my brother did, and I know our community did. And on behalf of our entire foundation, Dr. Um, Badam, I want to thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. All right. So we are going to close the show. We will see you guys next Wednesday for another show. We want to thank you and, and, and bless you all and, and have a great rest of your week. Adios and take care. Thank you.